take our, our baskets you passed on earlier for our offering. Let's pass those down. If you're a first-time guest at Vintage, all we're asking you to do is stick your Connect card in there, and I'll shoot you an email this week. I hope you guys had a, uh, uh, had a Merry Christmas. We had a good time at the uh, Hamburg household, a lot of fun. Good times were had uh, by all. Now, as you know, uh, we are only uh, two days away from 2013. And, and I don't know, if you, if you read the news or are aware of news at all, you know that we are coming up on the fiscal cliff, right? And, um, and so that maybe is something that is overwhelming you or you're hyper-aware of, whatever it may be. I just want to kind of put something, I just want to share something with you that I'm, I'm really not thinking about the fiscal cliff. Uh, to be completely honest with you. In fact, I'm not really all that worried about it, right? Because there's something that happens in the midst of difficulty and suffering that always turns people to Jesus, which means that I'm excited about the fiscal clip because people are going to be struggling and they, we get to go be Jesus to them. Because we don't have the right, to be honest, as Christians and followers of Jesus to ever be overwhelmed by any kind of fiscal cliff because we know Jesus, Right. He it's ultimately every cliff represents for us a leap of faith. That's all that it is. Every cliff simply represents a moment for us to to take this leap of faith with Jesus. So I'm just being really honest with you. Right. As as pastor uh, is saying that if don't be overwhelmed by the fiscal cliff, we don't have a right to be I'm just being honest because we know Jesus. In fact, the fiscal cliff for us is simply an opportunity to express faith. So that people who don't know Jesus will find him. Scripture is very clear that whenever, whenever calamity comes, God shines. And the people who know him best are the ones that people are drawn to. And so when we come to the fiscal cliff, we come to the end of 2012 and 2013, and yes, we're sitting out there and I was like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? I look and say, well, I don't know. He may fall off a cliff, but man, I'm diving into Jesus, and I've got complete faith that he will move all things and work all things for his glory in our lives. In the body of Christ, we will thrive and become a beacon of light, right? A city set on a hill for all of those who have plunged into utter darkness. Praise God. So welcome to 2013, to the leap of faith. There's no fiscal cliff for us, y'all. There's only a leap of faith. And so this morning as we step into this, right, two days away, what I want to tell what, what I'm thinking about, what I'm thinking about is this, stepping 2013, is Chinese bamboo. How many of you are thinking about Chinese bamboo right now? Yeah, whatever, Martin. You're so full of it, right? Now... Now, just how many, number real quick, how many kids do we have in here usually in the village? Let me see a show of hands real quick. How many kids are in here who are usually in the, in the village? Okay. So, for those that know, today is like family Sunday, so we've got a lot of the kids in here. Uh, let me say this to you. All right, parents, listen. If I'm going to talk about Chinese bamboo and how it relates to Jesus in a few minutes, okay? Listen. And if you can go home, listen, if you can go home and tell your parents the message I'm about to share, they're going to give you a dollar. All right? They're going to give you a dollar, all right? So y'all pay attention. You can go home and get a dollar. If you don't, okay, parents, you don't have a dollar to get them, you come ask me, open my wallet up. You can have all the money, okay? To help you out. Now, so Chinese bamboo. Now, here's the amazing thing about Chinese bamboo. Honestly, it's, it's, it's fascinating stuff. The, the largest Chinese bamboo can grow up to 98 feet tall, okay? 98 feet tall. Common bamboo in America, right, between 15 and, and 40 feet. But the most amazing thing about bamboo is the pace 
the pace at which it grows. See, bamboo, you may not know this, is one of the fastest growing plants on earth with reported growth rates, this is a true story, reported growth rates of 39 inches per 24 hours. 39 inches in 24 hours. Now, that's not like everyday common bamboo, right? But it is known to grow at 39 inches per 24 hours, right? And here's the amazing thing. Bamboo, bamboo grows its full, to its full height in one single growing season. So basically bamboo goes from zero to 98, right? In one growing season. And that growing season lasts only three to four months. 98 inches a tree grows in, in three to four months. Now we're used to living around like oak trees and pine trees, huh? 98 feet. Did I say 98 inches? I'm just kidding. 98 feet! Right? Thank you, Randall. That's my wife fixing my problems, right? Literally, it was 98 feet. Now, in three to four months. It's amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. It's this nature and the, the fast pace of its growth. Amazing stuff. Single, full height, single growing season, three to four months. But the thing about this, the growth of a, of a, of a bamboo is this, that, that the, the, like the cool thing behind it, kind of the message behind it this morning is this. For the first four, three to four years of its life, bamboo has little outward growth. Basically, for three to four years, it's all growing underneath the ground, right? It's growing all underneath the ground. This thing is called a, really called a, a rhizome, right? It's a rhizome. It's this, this intricate kind of root system. Basically, it's this underground stem, kind of like crabgrass that grows underground, right? And at the fifth year, all of a sudden, something happens, and all of a sudden, it just shoots up. But the interesting thing about this, this rhizome, right, this underground thing is that, that it's this long root. So what happens is when these shoots go up, right, when these bamboo trees go up, you'll have like four or five or six trees that go up at one time, but they're all connected to the same root, right? It's one root in all these different trees that go up. And so if you were to go kind of cut the, you know how you can do, like they do in science books, they take the ground and kind of cut it in half, you can see underground, what you would find with this unbelievably intricate and intertwined root system, right, with all these different systems growing, these, these root, this root over here, connected to this root, all intertwined together, and what you would find is you would not be able to differentiate between any of them. It looked like one big, massive ball of roots, so that's why they say if you have a bamboo forest, you have nothing else growing. Basically, this kind of kind of really cuts everything else out because it completely overwhelms the 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 the, the place where it is, the land that's a part of. But it's this unbelievably intricate and thick and overwhelming root system, which basically means that it's unbelievably difficult, almost impossible to eradicate. Right? It's strong, right? So when, when difficult, like when, when the storms come and all this kind of stuff begin to blow, right? Because of its being so strong, so dense, and so powerful, it's basically difficult or impossible to, to kill or destroy. You see, when I look at vintage, and I look at what God's doing in the church, my belief is that He is calling us to be a people who are invested into our roots. That we are a people who are 
engaging, right? Investing time and energy into our own personal root system. We recognize as followers of Jesus, our root system has its, has its, its population as Jesus, right? As the Father, right? That we're, we're a people who are in, being in, in, in intentional and recognizing it as imperative that the focus of our attention be cultivating a root system that is intertwined and interconnected, right? We're intertwined and interconnected with Jesus, but we're also, this is the thing I want you to recognize, that we are intertwined and interconnected in community, in relationship with one another. See, when we think of roots, we think of these oak trees, right? What do we have? We have one big oak tree, right, that sends out its own root system. It's kind of by itself. It's freestanding. But what happens with the bamboo system is you take a bunch of these different bamboo shoots that come up and they're all intertwined. So basically what I'm saying is this. I believe God is speaking into us in 2013 saying, listen, you're going to be intertwined with me. I am your root system. I am your source of life. But you also have to be intertwined in relationship and in a community with one another. See, that's the nature of church. We are one body in many parts interconnected, working together. God is saying this is a season for us, a season for us. That we are still investing into our roots. We are cultivating our root system. You see, as a church, we're just a little over three years old. We've yet to hit the bamboo shoot time, right? But I'm telling you what God's speaking into us is something simple. If we will be a people who are investing into our roots, we are cultivating our roots, we're focusing on our roots as loving on people, living in community and loving on Jesus and, and, and cultivating a relationship with Jesus, that we're forming this interconnected, intertwined root system so that when storms of life come, when difficulties arise, when trying times happen in your life, because they will happen, the closer you are to Jesus, really the more issues you're going to face in life. Right? You're told something else. You're told kind of a lie when you become a Christian. Become a Christian, things be great. No, no. Right? You become a threat to the enemy, right? All of a sudden, life becomes difficult. Become a Christian, your life will be miserable, right? That's how it's basically the, that should be the gospel message. But it's not miserable. You know Jesus, right? That's the idea. So this root system intertwined together, relationship together with one another, relationship with Jesus. It's basically the testimony of Jeremiah 17, verse 7. It says, but blessed is the man, or blessed is the one, or the person, okay? Blessed is the person who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. This person will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. You all understand blessing, right? I mean, this God is pouring himself out, right? Breakthrough over good things in our life, right? Good things in our life. And the right, Jeremiah is saying, listen, blessed are those. Good things come to those who trust in the Lord and whose confidence is in him. The picture I'm going to create for you is that you'll be like a tree planted with its roots, having a never-ending water source in this river of life. And, and what it says is, you won't fear when heat comes, your leaves are always green, you have no worries and you're a drought and never fail to bear fruit. Do you recognize, all of you Jewish historians, right? You recognize that Jeremiah is speaking in the language of the people. Their lives 
would rise and fall on the rains that would come in season. That the great fear, quote unquote, of these people was that drought would come. Why? Because it would kill off their crops and they'd have no sustenance of life. This represents their livelihood, represents their job. So he's basically coming and saying, listen, those who trust in the Lord as a lifestyle, those who put their confidence and trust in him, right, who believe him, have confidence in him, they will be blessed. And in every area of life, there'll be breakthrough, there'll be healing, right, the restoration, all of these things, right, there'll be water. And it doesn't say there won't be drought. It says that you will have life in the middle of drought. It takes us back to 2013, fiscal cliff, right? No, no, we don't fear. Why? Because if we are rooted and established in Jesus, then when these seasons come like they are coming, we won't be fearful. Why? We won't suffer drought. We won't, we'll never, we'll, we'll never fail. We'll bear fruit, right? Our leaves will be green and there'll be no fear when the heat comes. And heat can be used to talk about a lot of things. This is what God is speaking. These are those who have their, who establish their roots, who, who dive into their, to engaging their root system and growing it, right? But he kind of gives the antithesis, the opposite, just in the preceding verses in 5 and 6, where it says this, Cursed is the one who trusts in man. Cursed is the one who depends on flesh for his or her strength. And cursed is the one whose heart turns away from the Lord. They will be like a bush in the wastelands. You know know the wastelands, right? A bush kind of drying up in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. We all understand that parched language, right? We've all been really, really, really thirsty sometime in our life. We're parched, like, please give me something to drink, right? Your kids, I'm so thirsty, mom, give me something to drink, please, I'm, I'm going to die, right? We live in this parchedness. We understand that language. And he's saying that's what it's like for those who are not engaging their root system, digging deep and trusting and having their confidence in Jesus. They're trusting in man. They're trusting in self. When it, listen, it's really easy to trust God when there's nothing to trust him about. Right? It's really easy to have trust in God when life is easy and nothing's overwhelming. You're like, yeah, I trust Jesus. What are you trusting him with? Oh, I don't know. My everyday life, my breath. That's, that's not fair, right? No, trust is expressed and there's actually something that you need to trust God for. Difficult times, parched lands, overwhelming seasons. You know what I'm getting at? And he's talking about this nature, right? So the struggle that we will face in, in the life uh, we have as followers of Jesus is living, living life in this place of trust and of confidence in Jesus. I'll just say it's difficult to perpetually and continually, continually live in this place of trust and of confidence in Jesus. The reason is simple. It's so easy. In fact, it's very natural when things get hard, they get difficult, or they, they get trying to start relying on self. Has that ever happened? Something bad happens and you immediately pull back? Have you ever done that? You pull back, you get out of, you stop talking to people, you start, you stop, invest, you start, you stop investing in relationships, right? You kind of pull back. By nature, when these difficult times come, we, we pull back. 
We pull back and in this pulling back, most of the time we're, we're trusting, we end up trying to trust self, right? Start reading books and listening to podcasts and whatever it may be, trying to figure out how can, we, how can we fix this? I don't know what to do. How do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Right? And we start getting this difficult place of trusting self and leaning on self, relying on self. This is in comparison in the verses that we see earlier of a life where we're trusting in, leaning in, relying in, and having faith. In God. We all understand this on a practical level, right? I don't have to like sit there and break down certain practical scenarios. All of us know those moments where we trust self versus trusting God, right? Those moments where we find ourselves just pulling back, pulling back. You see, the root of trusting self is expressed at the end of verse 5. It says, the heart turns away from the Lord. Heart turns away from the Lord. See, roots, they define our source, They define our life source, right? The source of life. They define what we trust when the storm comes. Listen, the idea is that we have to have a root system that we know how to connect with, that we recognize we're connected with, so when the storm does come, we can see the root system. We are attached to it. We haven't tried to pull away from it. We are interconnected, but we must be aware. Because rarely, rarely does anyone choose for their heart to turn from God. Rarely, if ever, does anyone actually choose for their heart to turn away from God. Usually, it just gradually happens over time. Right? It's just a gradual thing. Therefore, I want to say this morning, we must fight for our heart. We must fight for our trust and confidence in God. We must cherish it. We must recognize it as our root system that ultimately sustains life for us. We fight for it. We cultivate it, right? We nourish it. We invest our best time and energy and resources into this root system that produces and sustains life for us. And we must always, always look to remember and to return to our roots. In turn, growing them stronger. With this in mind, I want to look at the situation I believe fits this in Revelation chapter 2, verses 2 through 5. This is a letter written to the church at Ephesus. And I want you to recognize something in this letter written to Ephesus. Okay, I'm about to read it. Don't, you know, that's fine. You can read those verses. But, But I want you to keep in mind... The church of Ephesus, listen, the church at Ephesus had experienced during its lifetime the greatest revival the Bible New Testament had ever known. This movement of God. The church at Ephesus was pleasing in the eyes of God. They experienced this incredible nationwide revival. It literally began to compete with the other gods that had been established there for thousands of years, hundreds of years. I don't know how long it's been there. I don't know how old it is, right? But for a long time, they were pleasing in the eyes of God. They loved God. They experienced massive movements of God's spirit and works, works and wonders and miracles and salvation, okay? Ephesus is a wonderful, wonderful city in the story of God. It goes on and says this, I know your deeds, Read along with me on the screen. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. 
I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Good stuff, right? Verse 4, yet I hold this against you. I hold this against you. You have forsaken, which means walked away. That's what I put up here. You have forsaken. You have walked away. Willful choice, right? You've walked away from your first love. Remember the height from which you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. So I want you to look at the things that they're doing well, right? They're, they're working hard, right? They're working hard. They're, they're persevering in life. They're not tolerating wickedness in their midst, right? They're attesting, they're testing apostles or people who come in the name of Jesus, right? To see if they really are from him. They're in hardships are coming against them because of their faith. They're in, they're enduring hardships and, and they're not growing weary, right? They're persevering. This is, this is an incredible testimony, right? Of, of, of their life and their commitment to Jesus, right? All of these things, they are done by those who have serious commitment to Jesus, right? They're unwavering in their work. But in their work, I want you to see this, in their work, John tells us, this kind of speaking what God had spoken to him, he's saying, but in your work, in all your work, you've walked away from your first love. You have walked away from your first love. So, First love. What does that mean? What does it mean? First love, what does it mean? Well, biblically speaking and theologically speaking, throughout time, this understanding of first love has represented two things. Represented two things. Number one, in the primary, the primary way theologians throughout history, including the early church, define this language of, of, of you've lost your first love, meant love for one another. That's what they meant. That historically speaking, theologically speaking, theologians have said for generations that what they were missing, what they had, they had lost was their love, their first love of loving one another. Secondarily, secondarily, this is kind of probably what most of you have heard in evangelical churches in the last, in, 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 during our lifetime is that it meant love for God, right? Love for Jesus. He's our first love. He's our priority, right? And so, so what I want to say in, in both of these things, both of these things, I want you to hear this. Both of these things represent the great commandment. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Secondarily, right? 1A, 1B. Love your neighbor as yourself. So what I would say this morning is this. You can't love God and not love your neighbor. Right? And you can't love your neighbor unless you ultimately have received love from being in a love relationship with God. So basically what I'm going to get out and say this morning, kind of just in a, just to kind of, you know, it's easier to do this instead of like defining who's right and who's wrong. They're both right. Right? It's great. It's an easy way to do that preaching, right? They're both right in the moment. Why? Because they both represent the commandment of God to love God, love your neighbor. And so what I'm going to get at here is this. I believe when John is speaking here, he's speaking directly to the church and says, listen, you've walked away from your primary love relationship with Jesus. And because of that, ultimate impacted your love relationship with your neighbors. And both of these are a big deal. Think about it. Number one, meaning love one another. This would mean that their actions were done without a true love 
four people, right? No patience, no kindness, no goodness, no gentleness, no self-control, right? They were in it. They would basically have these duties that they were doing for God, but there's no love in, in the context of loving people that are around, right? Basically, they would have a religion with that relationship with people, right? Have you ever known people like this, that they have this relationship with God, but they wound people all day long because they don't actually express Jesus in love to the people that they're around, I mean, could you imagine a religious person who works hard, who perseveres, who doesn't tolerate wickedness? That's another way of saying they're really mean. They judge people. That's what it's saying. They don't tolerate wickedness. They're not loving people. Listen, is this a big deal? Of course it is. Basically, what he's saying is you have lost your testimony because Jesus told us that they will know that we are Christians and be drawn to Christ in us by the way that we love one another. So basically what, the, what John is saying and Jesus is saying to them is, listen, you were doing well. You were loving one another well. People were being drawn to you. Revival was happening and you stopped loving one another. And people stopped being attracted to Jesus in you because you didn't have relationship and love as a defining characteristic. You just had duty. You must return. You've lost your first love, this loving one another, right? And secondarily, love for Jesus, right? This has in mind the focus of our lives being more about serving and working for Jesus and less about knowing him intimately. This has in mind service over intimacy, have you ever known people who they go work for God and the whole time they complain? They get frustrated. They're easily irritated. They're frustrated with people, right? They have no grace, no mercy. Everything's a big to-do. And, they have, and there's no joy, no sacrifice, no authentic love in the context of their ministry and the things that they're doing, the service that they're engaging. He's saying, you have... Work and service without relationship. Basically, it's they've engaged religion apart from the source of it, Jesus. They had left their roots. They've forgotten their roots. They had pulled away from their roots. Listen, they didn't do it intentionally. It wasn't a willful decision. They decided to walk away from Jesus. Life just happened, and they found themselves pulling away, right? This is the, the testimony of Revelation 2 and Jeremiah 17. Is this understanding, right, of people who when they forget their roots, they forget where they've come from, they forget their source, and they begin to serve and do stuff without actually doing the context of knowing their source and knowing Jesus. All of a sudden, they find themselves completely disconnected, having lost their first love. We, we see this pictured for us in 1 Kings Pull the scripture at 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 4. It says, as Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of, of David, his father, had been. Listen, Solomon started out well, praying and asking God for wisdom, and God gave him wisdom. God moved in his life. There's this great stories and testimonies of God moving in his life, right? But somewhere along the way, well, it wasn't literally his wives intentionally worked to turn him away. No, it, what it means is 
Solomon chose to give his attention and to give his affections to the conquering of many women by marrying them. Basically, he chose to put his energies somewhere else, conquering the conquest of women, so he could have many wives and show that off as his trophy. It was his sin, not theirs. And in this passion of giving himself away to this, his heart grew cold. His heart was not fully devoted to the Lord. He didn't willfully choose that. It happened over time and over a season. See, that's the, the testimony this morning of Chinese bamboo. Chinese bamboo takes lots of time and makes it really intentional in its lifespan to invest its primary energies into building this root system, this source, engaging the source, investing into the source, making it all about its source, building this root system, intertwining with others, right? Intertwining with other root systems so that when it grows, it's everyone's holding everyone. We had Jeff and Michelle stand up here this morning and my, te- and my, my, what I was saying is Chinese bamboo bamboo over you. That's what I said. That's what I said. Chinese bamboo. It's your responsibility to link with them, to guard, to come alongside of Michelle. She should, she should really want Jeff to come back, but not just because she's so overwhelmed with kids, because she just wants to see his face. Because she'd say, because my church came alongside of me and just loved on me and took care of me. Will you be Chinese bamboo for Michelle's self? This is the test of 2013. Because we're called to invest into our source, giving ourselves to Jesus, loving on Jesus, right? Making him our priority, our primary investment, making our secondary primary investment into loving one another, engaging community, right? Not running away when things go bad in life, but leaning into and relying on Jesus and leaning into and relying on the body of Christ that we're a part of. This is the year of Chinese bamboo for Vintage 242. This is who we're called to be. But it starts for us right now in engaging chapter, excuse me, verse 5 of Revelation 2. John, Jesus is really great, gracious. He gives us three really practical things that are going to help us to succeed. Look at it, verse 5. It's three words. Remember the height from which you've fallen. Repent, which means to turn back, and do. Repent, remember, repent, and do the things you did at first. Right? I love how, I love when Jesus gets really practical like this, right? Remember. What does that mean? Well, remember is real simple. I remember where I came from. I turn back, right? Here, I look up. Remember the height from which you fall, which I look up and I look to my source. When I look up, guess who I always find? Jesus. Listen, I want you to hear me say this. This is a little bit, this ain't a little bit hard. When we know our heart has grown cold, when we look up and have a hard time seeing him. Because when I'm cultivating a relationship with Jesus as a natural lifestyle of embracing my root system, when I look up every day, it's, 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 it might take me, I may have a lot going on, but I can find him pretty, I can get into his presence pretty easily. But I know seasons, right, I know my heart's growing cold when I look up and I just can't see him as hard as I may work. And I recognize, wow, Jesus, I did not know I had drifted. Would by grace you come and help me find you again. 
right? I remember, I look to my roots. I look from not 98 inches, but 98 feet to the, from the top of my bamboo. And bamboo looks down and says, hey, rhizome, hello, roots, right? Looking down, why? Because he remembers, like, thank you. You're awesome, right? He's standing because of his roots. He has not forgotten. Remember. Second thing, real clear, repent. Oh, my gosh, I did not know I had fallen. God, forgive me. Forgive me. I'm now going to turn away from the direction I've been going. It's caused my heart. I'm going to Solomon. What if he had just turned? I wonder if the kingdom of the kingdom of Israel would have split. It split under his rule in the Israel and Judah. I wonder if it would have split if he had simply turned back to God. We turn back and we see him. Right? And then we do. We do. Right? Oh God, I turned back and now I'm going to do the things I did at first that allowed my relationship to be cultivated with you. Whether that means I'm spending more time in prayer, more time in scripture, more time, whatever it may be, just more silent time, right? More time in the woods, just walking around and embracing I hear God through this creation. Whatever it may be, right? Go, I'm going to return to you, right? I'm going to do. And here's the thing about, here's the thing about these, these Ephesians. They weren't, they were, they were, it's not a matter of doing more stuff. They were doing all the right things, right? They were doing a lot of stuff. It wasn't the quantity of what they were doing. The doing here talks about the quality, the quality of what I'm doing, the quality of trusting God, of putting my confidence in God, of leaning into God. Listen, practice this. Something bad happens, and the first, listen, I'm gonna, this is a, this is a, this is a hard thing. I'll put this out there. I challenge you. The first time something difficult happens this year, don't tell anybody immediately. Don't pick up your phone. Go straight to the place where you pray and find Jesus. A sign for us that our heart's not fully put towards God is when a difficult moment comes, we immediately talk to other people about it and vent it. Instead of turning to Jesus and leaning first into him. And then he's going to immediately call us to go connect with somebody else. But you ask him in that time who you go share it with, who can come alongside and be that intertwined root to hold you down. See the practical part of this. We're building these relationships, trusting in God, leaning in to him. Two days away, from a leap of faith, of trusting, relying, and leaning on Jesus for a part of who we are. Our hearts, our hearts. Listen, I don't care how many great stories you have to tell about Jesus in the past. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? It springs up. Take hold of it. That's from Isaiah. He's saying, forget all the great things that God... That's what he's saying. Israel, forget all the great things that God did in your past. Stop leaning on those. Stop remembering those. See the new thing that God is doing. Rely on Him. Trust Him afresh and anew today. Don't tell your stories of faith and of trust about yesterday. 
Lean into him and have stories to tell about today. Build your root system today. Strengthen your root system today, right? Engage it. This is God's call to you before you step into 2013. It is the year of Chinese bamboo. Because when we do this, supernatural growth occurs. Supernatural growth occurs. Where God all of a sudden, as we all of a sudden pull back and say, Jesus, I'm content and satisfied with you, but I'm dissatisfied with where I am. I long for more. I'm going to invest into my root system. I'm going to invest in relationship. Jesus, I'm going to love on you. And all of a sudden, boom, when the time is right, supernatural growth occurs. This is the heart of the Lord for us. Let's pray. Father, I praise you and thank you that you've given us Chinese bamboo as a testimony, God, to what you do in the lives of human beings. Paul, I think if we took enough time, we could look at everything in creation and it could point to something about yourself that we could learn that expresses a new part of you. And so, Father, this morning, I ask, God, that as we here in this moment, God, look towards 2013, I'm asking that you would awaken us. Because, God, if we do not remember, we'll be like Solomon. Father, the testimony of Solomon, even in Ecclesiastes, at the end of his life, he finally woke up. But, God, it was too late. The kingdom was already divided. And, Father, I, not, to, not to produce fear, but just the reality that, Lord, is, if we are not careful to remember, to repent, and to do as a lifestyle, then, Father, we miss your heart. And, God, would it be said about us, as they grew old, their heart was not fully devoted to the Lord. So, Father, would you come? I'm asking for grace today, Lord, that you would speak in this. And grace, all I mean, God, you know, is just that you would do the supernatural work in our lives. They would awaken people to the remembrance, God, of who you are, what you've done, that you are their source, and that they need you. And there'd be grace, there'd be your gift, your ability to, to turn, to walk towards you and do the things that produce life. Father, we love you. We thank you that you love us. Come and have your way in us. And say, speak this in Jesus' name. Amen.